This is It Was a Thing on TV. Spoiler number one is Dr. Lee Franz. It stinks. What is going on? <laughs> what is going on? Episode 50, Submission 590, Tag Team. Tag Team was an unsold pilot that aired on ABC the night of January 26, 1991. Well, guys, we've talked about one entry related to wrestling, and we have done one episode kind of sort of related to wrestling. I mean, we... Yeah, I mean, I mean, we are on the Place to Be Nation. They do have a wrestling feed. So, I mean, it is appropriate that we talk wrestling on this show. And for our 50th episode, I thought this would be the perfect episode for our series on Unsold Pilots Tag Team. What does a rap group from the 90s have to do with wrestling? Oh, Chico. Oh, Chico. <laughs> I had to. Well, tag team stars, probably, I guess, other than the Hulkster, probably the two biggest mainstream stars of the WWF in the boom of the mid-1980s with professional wrestling, Roddy Piper and Jesse the Body Ventura. I'd agree with that. Yeah, this was, and not only uh, big wrestling stars, but also big uh, action stars in their own right. Jesse Ventura was, of course, in Predator with Arnold Schwarzenegger. And Roddy Piper was in They Live, which, was, which would be like two years, after, two years before this. Yeah, um, well, They Live was uh, 88. So, yeah, that, you're kind of in the right range there. But, yeah, Jesse and Roddy were probably like, two of the biggest mainstream stores. And I, I got a fun trivia fact for you guys. Now, okay. it's, all, it's always been well-known, at least it's a common misconception that Jesse Ventura was the first ever heel color commentator in professional wrestling. Do you know who the first heel commentator in professional wrestling actually was? Who would that be? Roddy Piper. Really? Yes, Roddy Piper was the heel color commentator for Gordon Sully for Georgia Championship Wrestling on WTBS around 1981 to 82. Okay, I can, I can, I can see that. Yeah. Well, also we should uh, give credit where credit's due. Jesse Ventura also uh, went on in the same year, 1991, to be host on future installment. The Grudge Match. Yes! The Grudge Match with Steve Albert. Oh, that's going to be a fun episode to do. Oh, yes, it will. But yeah, so... Yeah, so as as I mentioned, this was an unsold pilot that aired in January of 91. This was burned off by ABC the night before Super Bowl twenty-five, Which you may recall had the epic national anthem by Whitney Houston, which actually we're going to talk about in a future installment about good and bad national anthems. But also, that was the game where Scott Norwood was just wide right. Yes, as we mentioned in previous entry, the Bud Bowl. Yes, we did. Uh-huh. Yes. So this this show, and we'll, we'll talk about what happened with, with this show later, but this was very, very close to becoming a series. In fact, as the episode, I think, was in production, or the pilot was in production or out of production, just done with production, at WrestleMania 6, when Rowdy Rowdy Piper was facing Bad News Brown as Rowdy came into the ring uh, dressed half black it's a long story i don't want to go over that angle with bad news brown on this podcast okay but i just want to mention that as roddy comes to the ring jesse says the girl monsoon i cannot be biased in this match i gotta root for roddy because that's my tag team partner up there get it uh-huh uh, a little foreshadowing yes yeah. yes so here we go we begin we begin this pilot 
of tag team. Oh, wait a minute. Hold up. Before we, before we start talking about the pilot, on the YouTube clip, we see five seconds of Twin Peaks because it's been preempted that night. Because it's airing in its place. And this would have been between episodes 21 and 22 of Twin Peaks. This would have been the episode um, right when uh, Leo Johnson awakes from his coma. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, guys, Twin Peaks post Laura Palmer's murder in season two is a future entry. Yeah. (laughs) In other news, Greg likes Twin Peaks. Yes, I'll I'll have any excuse to talk about Twin Peaks on this podcast. Uh, we will we'll find we'll find plenty of excuses for him to talk about Twin Peaks. Yes. Okay, so we start in the ring. We have an announcer who's overdubbed by Mean Gene Okerlund, which doesn't really make any sense, but whatever. And you see shots in the crowd. You see one guy in the crowd with like a Los Angeles Lakers jacket, and you see one guy in the crowd with a Bartman t-shirt. Yes, I, I was just going to say that. There this was, was peak 1991. Bartman... Yeah, I mean, this this is peak 1990 right here. Somebody was wearing a Bartman t-shirt. I'm surprised that the network didn't try, like, censoring it somehow since you're promoting another network. Yes. Well, I, it's 1990. I don't think blurring technology is... uh. Yeah, well, they didn't yet. have they didn't have the technology to do well, that. Well, yet. still, I mean, they could have cut it out or put in somebody else because it looked like all the footage of the wrestling match, uh, or at least the audience, was stock footage or stock like footage. So we're introduced to the tag team of Billy Youngblood, played by Jesse, and Rick McDonald, played by Roddy. And so a young fan comes sneaking into the ring while Jesse and Roddy are practicing some wrestling moves, and. I guess you'd consider him like the 1991 equivalent of a smart wrestling fan because he asked them, what happened to the Lizard Brothers? Billy replies, the Lizard Brothers are ancient history. The Lizard Brothers being the former name of the uh, tag team. Yes. And and there's a little, maybe you want to call it Easter egg, maybe not, that I'll talk about near the end of the show. All right. So then we get, after the young fan gets his autograph, we have the promoter coming in with his wife. And the promoter's wife is played by whom? Shannon Tweed. Shannon Tweed. Yes. Anything to say? Shannon Tweed's a bitch in this show. Oh, yeah, she is. Yeah. She's about to ruin two careers. Three if you count Gene Simmons. Oh, but yeah. And she wasn't a bitch before she went on Match Game Hollywood Squares. Just saying. Yeah. It all. It always. It all comes back to Match Game Hollywood Squares. Anyway, it, it, it's always something about a show we previously covered. Yes. So, her character Leona, she wants our boys to take a fall. Cause guys, this is 1991. We haven't established that wrestling is totally a work yet. Guess what they do? They decide to win the match. Oh, yeah. We should also note who the manager was of their opposition, the Samurai Brothers. Oh, it was Mr. Fuji, baby. Wait, wait, you mean Mr. Fuji from future installment Fuji Vice? Oh, yes, that Mr. Fuji. Although, sadly, he did not have his top hat and cane. He wasn't, he wasn't Mr. Fuji. That, I mean, no. that, just makes, that just makes him. Instead, he was a guy named Mr. Saki. Yeah. But, they, but the Samurai Brothers, of course, are the uh, WWF tag team of the Orient Express, uh, made up of... Sato and Pat Tanaka at the time. And unfortunately, our boys didn't uh, take the fall, and they got canned. Oh, yeah. So Shannon Tweed whispers to the promoter's ear about the the made-up affair, and then Jesse and Roddy look over at the promoter, and then the promoter just gives the throat slash, meaning they're fired. 
Oh. What are two unemployed wrestlers going to do? I know, because apparently in this world, there's not another wrestling federation to go to. Well, everything was secondary to WWF back in the day. Yeah. I mean, unfortunately, WCW fans, it wasn't WCW back in like 1990, It wasn't exactly, Ted Turner wasn't spending the Mucha De Niro back then, if you know what I mean. No, he did not. Yeah, he had to feed Teddy Jr. <laughs> so yeah, Billy and Rick are, are in a go back to their apartment, which is like in an old abandoned like building. It's an and old they, abandoned building with a newly refurbished hole in the wall. Yeah, oh. and it's got like one of those old tiny elevators. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're trying to find a job. Well, how can and you find a job if you're two unemployed wrestlers? How can you find a job in this economy in 1991? Well, what type of jobs would you take? Well, what did they first do? They were piano movers. Yes. Remember when I said it had a newly refurbished hole in the wall? Yeah. Yeah, explain There's yourself. There's a newly refurbished there's your newly refurbished hole in the wall because they let go of the piano, crashes through a wall, lands on their moving truck. <laughs> not only does it not only does it crash through the wall, it breaks some of the wood on the staircase, falls, crashes through a brick wall, and then the piano lands on the moving truck, causing an explosion. And then their reaction to it. Yes. Which is right here. Oh, my back! It's locked! Look out! piano mover didn't work out so what did the uh, pair do they decided to become human punching bags essentially at a self-defense course and they had women beating the crap out of them even old women uh, old women and, and and yeah and and they're wearing football helmets and shoulder pads football uh, pads the whole nine yards and they're just getting the stink beat out of them by a bunch of old ladies and housewives. Oh, and we should note, the instructor at this course was played by Kathy Kinney, who would later go on to play Mimi on the show, The Drew Carey Show. Yes. Nice. That was a glorious scene. That was not as glorious as the scene that came next. So, uh, our boys, they're in the grocers. They have no idea what to do with the rest of their lives. They witness a robbery, and after Rick decides he's going <laughs> to give our robber a cold, hard taste of street justice, I believe the clip is either you leave her alone or I'm going to separate your head from the rest of your body. And again, this is one of those times where we wish this was a video podcast because I enjoyed that ass whooping. Oh, yeah. There's so much to talk about this because, well, first off, did you notice that Jesse Ventura's character, he's going through the produce section and he grabs a whole box, a whole crate of grapes and just starts eating them? Yes. Okay. Theft. Hello, theft. Well, they established in the previous scene when they were in the apartment that Jesse's character loves to eat grapes. Because he's throwing a bunch of grapes into his mouth while he's laying down on the bed. Well, pay for the grapes, though. That's no cop. True. Yeah, we don't need any dishonest cops out there. But also, this robbery, 
it wasn't being done by one person. It was being done by what appeared to be five or six different people. You had people coming in after uh, Jesse the Body Ventura and uh, Rowdy Rowdy Piper's characters beat up the main robber. But then after uh, he gets uh, finished, you have two or three more people come in. And then you have like two or three more people saying, hey, come on, let's get out of here before the cops show up. Do you really need like a gang of like five or six or seven people to rob a grocery store? I remember back in my day, you only need one person with a big set of bollocks. And just the acting and wrestling moves here. Oh my gosh. It just looked so fake. It's like the tip of the iceberg in terms of wrestling references and wrestling moves. Because, well, they're wrestlers, and apparently that's how they survive. Yes. Uh Uh-huh. So the best part is how they end up stopping the robbers. So Billy goes to Rick, and he whispers, do you remember the high flyers? And Rick's like, yeah. So they put, (laughs) which is, by the way, guys, the high flyers is a reference to a tag team in the AWA, one of several wrestling Easter egg references in this pilot. So... Billy and Rick, they push a cart full of uh, recycled cans and the can- <laughs> and the cart crashes into the recycled cans, causing a giant mess. That That's was a- something. How many cans did people go through in that era? Oh, uh, judging by that clip, a lot. Yeah, I mean, if you look at that recycling center booth or whatever you want to call it, I mean, that's about the size of maybe two cars. Remember, Mike, this was 1990, and everybody was all up in their recycling. Oh, I get that, but I've never seen a recycling bin that big. I mean, seriously, that's like the size of a small bedroom. We used to have a recycling bin at least that big, maybe even bigger, outside our fire and outside our fire department. Okay, I've never seen anything that big. And also, you know, it's not like empty or half empty. It's filled to the rim. Somebody needs to pick up that recycling. But the point, but the uh, takeaway is, well, it's too bad you guys aren't cops. Dude, we should be cops. Yeah. And that's where we go into the first commercial break. Oh, by the way, the commercials have been left in this pilot episode and Damn it, we're going to talk about the commercials on this pilot episode. There's a commercial for a wrap for McDonald's new grilled steak sandwich. I don't know, Greg. It's no McRib. No, it, this, that's a bootleg McRib. Get out of here, McDonald's grilled steak sandwich. You're going nowhere. Also, yeah, it, yeah, it was a thing in the fast food restaurants. With the McPizza. We also have a commercial for Kellogg's Frosted Flakes with Congressman, quote-unquote, Dick, talking about how I'm an adult and I'm ashamed to eat Frosted Flakes. Don't worry, Dick. It's going to be okay. In in a couple of years, it's going to be so fashionable for adults to eat Frosted Flakes. So don't worry about it. They're going to frost it with honey and nuts, man. Yep. We got you. And we got a Sandy Duncan Wheatfins ad. Wait, wait, hold on. Before that, and then 30 years later, Greg? Yeah. D- does Tony the Tiger uh, end up eating Carol Baskin's husband? Boo! Bravo. Bravo, Joe Exotic. Had to get a Tiger King reference in there. Oh, by the way, future installment Tiger King. Yeah, you damn right we're going to talk about Tiger King. We're going to talk about the whole we're going to talk about the whole damn series, okay? Every, everything. It's a train wreck and, and damn it we're going to cover it. And then you're saying about Sandy Duncan. Oh yeah, the Sandy Duncan wheat thins ad. Those were like those were like a staple back in the day. Yes, they were. Me some wheat, love me some wheat thins, man. Oh, you know, same here. No. Wheat thins and triscuits, baby. Yep. 
but then we get back to the show and our boys they're in basic training yeah and their instructor one tough son of a gun she's telling them only half of you are going to survive so take a look to your left and take a look to your right one of those people is not going to make it and she's tough as nails yeah she looks tough as nails so, she yeah, gives yeah. no quarter, and she takes no quarter. Oh, yeah. She uh, tells our recruits to start stretching because they're going to go on a five-mile run. And somebody, uh, one of the fellow recruits, who actually ends up playing a key role later on in the episode, he's not stretching. He's talking to uh, our, our boys, and he gets reamed by the instructor. Yeah. T- poor Tyler. He's got to take a bunch of push-ups. Oh, man. oh yeah, yeah. He should have been stretching instead of running his mouth. Yeah, but, but still, it helps to have a guy like Tyler in your corner or in your it, cut, as the kids would say. Indeed, this is the rest of the show. Yeah, Tyler was kind of like the Virgil of this show. He brought everything all together, except he didn't go to the Olive Garden afterwards. Yeah. By but the then, way, Ray Tyler. Played by Phil Lewis, noted uh, producer and actor. Is Angel from Hell on the list? Doesn't ring a bell. All right, then it's on the list. Oh, and by the way, I should mention the lieutenant is played by Robin Curtis, who would be best known for playing Savick in Star Trek 3 and 4. And guys, 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 I hope you're sitting down. But this wouldn't be the last time she would she acted with a wrestler. Oh, oh, because she was in Santa with muscles with Hulk Hogan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's one for our Patreon podcast. It was a thing at the theater. No, it was a thing at the movies. That's right, folks. This that I get. You're gonna. When you get your $5 donations for that our spinoff podcast, whenever we do that, that's going to be the first damn thing we're going to cover. By the way, for the record, Phil Lewis was also on the long-running Disney show, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Oh, oh, and also, Greg is not joking about that. That will be the first movie we cover if we ever do a movie podcast. Tyler was Mr. Mosby on The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. Yep. Oh my god, I can't believe that. Which which also means, hold up, do you think that means that Phil Lewis had an interaction with Tom Poston on the set of The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody? Possibly. Huh? Huh? <laughs> they, they become cops, so now we get into the driving force of the episode, into the real plot of the episode. You mean there wasn't a plot up until this point? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying anything. So we have Rita, who works at an animal shelter, and she's walking about a dozen dogs. I, I would say about maybe maybe about eight or nine dogs, maybe ten on her route, when one of the dogs just runs away and goes into her parking garage. Now, Mike, I know you had something to say about this. Why is a dog going into a parking garage? The dog actually goes down like two or three flights of steps. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But it does play a pivotal role in this whole episode. Oh, yes. By the way, Rita, played by fake Cindy Jennifer Runyon. From the first season of Trolls in Charge, which means she acted alongside Jamie Widows, which once again proves... Everything comes back to match game Hollywood squares. <laughs> yep. So Rita finds the dog, but oh my god, we have we have some trouble brewing a foot in this parking garage. Oh, oh boy. So the trouble that's brewing is we have two people who are gunned down. And Rita is the sole witness to this. And 
they obviously want to kill her because she's got evidence saying, I saw these guys being gunned down. Hashtag no witnesses. And after she sees the uh, double murder happening, we cut back to the boys at basic training, specifically at the obstacle course. Yup. And they're, they're doing their obstacle course thing. I mean, they, they'd be impressive if they were doing the double dare obstacle course, let me tell you. And they say that this is a piece of cake. They, all they got to do is pace themselves. But, oh my God. That sneak Tyler, he's taking the rope from them. Oh, no. So what are they going to do now? They can't crime up. But Billy says to Rick, remember the Rockers aerial attack. So Rick jumps on top of Billy, who pushes him onto the top. Rick stretches his arm. Billy grabs it. And they both go over the wall. Impressive. But- like moral of the story, don't tell don't tell Piper and Jesse they can't do anything. Well, but the ultimate revenge comes later in the obstacle course, because as they get to a water obstacle, the two of them pick up Tyler and throw him into the water. Yes. <laughs> Tyler ends up in the drink, and our boys finish the obstacle course and then go to a firing range. And then they have to study for the uh, academic portion of the of the uh, academy. Yes, police officers had to take tests about book learning once upon a time. I wonder if uh, they decided to use some of the mnemonics that were taught by uh, TV Funhouse. That's a good question, Mike. Yeah. But yeah, yeah Rick... it's, a, it's a good way of memorizing stuff, those mnemonics. Yes. So Rick's having trouble studying for the test, but Billy says it's all so simple. Just think of it like wrestling. So Rick has a lot of knowledge about wrestling. There's even like a name drop to Giant Baba, which is very impressive. Another great wrestling Easter egg. Oh, no. My favorite was, was Haystacks Calhoun. Oh yeah, Haystacks Calhoun, that was great. But but also, it would have been like super meta if they mentioned Jesse the Body Ventura and Rowdy Roddy Piper as their favorite wrestlers. Yeah. Well, the best part is they, they name who are the three most popular wrestlers at the time, and Rick mentions Hogan, Warrior, and Jake the Snake, which, hey, those were pretty much the three most popular wrestlers in the WWF back in 1990-91. True. Yeah, you're not wrong there. So they take the test, and Billy and Rick pass, and they get their badges from Lieutenant Steckler, and oh, oh, it's it's a it's a great moment as now both Billy and Rick have become cops, and now they're on the force. Yay. Too bad he's going to have to uh, stitch his uh, sleeve back on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just going to mention that. <laughs> oh, that was so great. Jesse's sleeve got ripped. And he's probably only had that uniform for, what, five minutes? Well, he's going to have to pay for it now. Yeah. There goes his first paycheck. Yep. So now... The, uh, the criminals, they're after Rita. They want to put a hit out on her. They want no witnesses whatsoever. Yep. And meanwhile, the boys are starting their first day on the job. And they're teamed up with two other cops, two other undercover cops. And their job is to protect Rita. And they're told pretty much, don't do anything stupid. You're sort of just there... Be, uh, uh, to monitor and witness what's going on. Where's the fun in that? Yeah. Well, well you you got to learn how to crawl before you can walk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then we hit the second batch of commercials. Dexatrim, the halls of medicines, and Rolaids giving Tums what for. 
We also have an ad for the American Music Awards. Which were happening that Monday night, yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. The 18th annual American Music Awards. Produced by Dick Clark Productions. We also got a promo for this week with David Brinkley talking about the Gulf War. After that ad for this week with David Brinkley, we have an ad for Norwegian Cruise Line with Larry Zonka. This Pre-American is like a, Gladiators. Yeah, this is like nine nine months before American Gladiators. Yeah. But the funny part is he gets pushed into a pool and there's an instant replay of him getting pushed into the pool. Let's go to the Zonka Strader on that. Yeah. Oh, it's so great that we now have American Gladiators on Pluto TV, I just want to say. Except for uh, season six. Talk about running one season too long. By the way, future installment shows that ran one season too long. Yeah. Yeah, And also they show the 2008 American Gladiators. Oh, by the way, also a future installment. Yes, brother. Our boys are looking after that hot chick from Ghostbusters that isn't Sigourney Weaver. Oh, yeah, yes. I forgot she was in Ghostbusters. Mm-hmm. And Bill Murray tries to hit on her. Yeah. Because Bill Murray. Yeah. They're, they're looking after her, and now uh, I guess they're waiting for the uh, hitmen to show up because, oh, look. They're the hitmen right now. That's not good. No. So they decide to take out the mailman. And so... (laughs) Oh, boy. And of course, because this is 1990, the hitmen arrive in what looks like a Dodge Ram van. With no windows. The kind Matt Foley lives in by the river. I don't know. So, seeing the hitmen, Rick and Bobby decide, hey, want to do some street justice? Let's do some street justice. So, all that firearms training, guess what they do? Literally they... pull the carpet out from under the bad guy's feet, and then throw him out the window. Ooh. Boy, sounds like a wrestling move. Yeah, and... And by the way, guys, one year before Shawn Michaels throws Morty Jannetty through the barbershop window in WF Supers, or was it Morty jumping out of the window? I don't know. It was one of those two. I remember that. I remember Shawn Michaels turning heel on his partner. Yeah, which thankfully doesn't happen in this episode. Sorry Sorry to ruin the vital 20 minutes of this episode, folks. They throw bad guy through the window, but unfortunately, guys, Rita has also jumped out of the window, and she's on the run. And so, Billy and Rick, they're in some hot you-know-what over the fact that the only witness to this murder is now missing. So what are they gonna do? They've now been suspended for the force for failing to protect the witness. So now what are they gonna do? Go back to moving pianos? Go back to being human tackling dummies? But before we can find out what they're going to do, we have to go into our third commercial break, guys. So we have an ad for Lipton Onion Soup Recipe. It's delicious. Yes. We have, you know, it's delicious. Garlic powder as seasoning, which... You have an ad for here. And then you have another ad for cough medicine. Cause those try, kids a minute, that... try a minute cough medicine. Oh, yeah, not those... delicious. No, well, it's no, not. Well, you know how you can make it delicious? That, that Lowry's garlic powder, maybe. But also, in that Lowry's garlic powder ad, was that Sherry Belafonte? Maybe. Perhaps. Looks like it. And then we have a bunch of people visiting the dentist. Must be for Crest. Yes, it is for Crest. It's the dentist choice. And it's ADA approved, which means it's good for, for Kevin McAllister. Yep. 
Four out of five dentists recommends Crest. The fifth one is an idiot. Yeah. We also have an ad for Domino's Pizza. They got a 30 cent special. Remember when you can get a pizza for 30 cents? You're still paying too much for Domino's Pizza at that price. Yeah, I said it. Come after me. But we also get a promo for after the Super Bowl the following night for future installment, Mike. Davis Rules. Davis Rules, yes. That's going to be another fun one. Yep. Okay, so we're back from the commercial break. Billy and Rick are in the the bathroom of the uh, the police station. So they're wondering what what we're gonna do now. We've been we've now been suspended from the force. Our wrestling career's over. What are we gonna do now? Wait a minute. Deus Ex Machina in effect. They needed a place to belong. Well, Rita needed a place to belong, too. Hold on. I know where Rita is. Again. Again. Roddy Roddy Piper. Not just muscles. Yeah, he had had brains, too. So now they reunite with Tyler. And so they decide to take his car for a ride. Oh, did they ever. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. It's an undercover car, but they figure, eh, we're not on the, we're not technically on the job anymore, so it's on you, Tyler. So Jesse's just driving through traffic like a, like a reckless madman, avoiding getting in accidents. He's swerving left and right, and he makes an amazing parallel park. Is it the- Blues Brothers amazing? Yeah, it is Blues Brothers amazing. They make a parallel park right into the central animal shelter where Rita is. Okay, so Rita's there. She apologizes for running away, and well, they <laughs> because they are who they are, they totally get it. But then again, freaking Jennifer Runyon, you're going to actually tell her that she's stupid? Never mind that she was, but anyway... Yeah, but now there's a time constraint because they need to get her to the courthouse. Uh, and I think they had like a time limit of, I think, an hour to get her to the courthouse or else, what was it, like charges had to be dropped or something like that? Yes. Sounds, sounds about right. Yeah, the charges would be dropped if she wasn't in the courthouse by a certain time. And wouldn't you know it, they got to the courthouse and then what happens? Here comes that van again and they're there to take out Rita, and the guys, and Tyler. Uh-oh. Here comes, here come the guys. And then we have the best action scene of the night. Uh, a couple headbutts, a few roundhouse kicks, Tyler with a gun. Yes. The only firearm being used on the show, and it's the guy from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. But also, the first move off the top rope, essentially, off the ceiling of the oh, building. Yeah. yeah! That was, like, the first move. That was that was that great. Was the she- that was the chef's kiss right there. Oh, yes. Yeah, it was a great high spot. So after Rick gives a big back body drop to one of the baddies, Billy's in a rut. He's stuck beneath a tree as a bad guy is holding a pole to his neck. And... Billy says, Rick, and he reaches out his hand, and Rick slaps his hand to give the hot tag. Symbolism, like, nice. in, a re- like in a wrestling match. Now we know where the show got its name. Yes. Baby face in peril, hot tag. And so Billy and Rick, they take care of the remaining baddie, and then they throw him straight into the fountain. Game over. Wrestlers win. Yeah. And then Tyler comes out and says, We bad. Like, oh, (laughs) Tyler. (laughs) And then there's a a situation. They got to get 
Rita to the courthouse. But someone's got to cuff him. So Billy and Rick leave it up to Tyler to do the cuffing. And they get and they get Rita to the courthouse. And who did they run into? Stickler. I mean, Steckler. See what I did there, kids? Yeah. Another set of commercials. So then we get an ad for Oatmeal Crisp and Oatmeal Raisin Crisp. Mm, you remember Oatmeal Raisin Crisp? Yeah, I, no. That'll be covered in It Was a Thing at the Breakfast Table. <laughs> you remember Sugar-Free Dentine? No, I don't remember Sugar-Free Dentine. Jeez, guys, how many spinoff podcasts are we going to have? <laughs> it was a thing at the movies. It was a thing at the breakfast table. It was a sugar-free gum. Jeez. <laughs> There's only so much space we can use, guys. We got another ad for the McDonald's grilled steak sandwich. Man, speaking of wrestling terms, they were really over-pushing this grilled steak sandwich. I know, right? I wonder if anybody, uh, if if, uh, if Usted had, like, fast food forms if everyone was bitching about oh my god i can't believe mcdonald's are over pushing this grilled steak sandwich down our throats it was the thing at the uh-huh. fast food restaurant and uh, and we have uh raisinets they're delicious and tied with bleach not delicious no but then we get a preview of what's coming up on sunday on abc sports we get the senior skins game. Not just the skins game, the senior skins game at 1.30, followed by, at 4 o'clock, the Super Bowl 25 pregame show. Only two hours of pregame? Because then at 6, we have the big game between the Buffalo Bills, led by Thurman Thomas and Jim Kelly, going against the New York Giants, led by Otis Anderson and Jeff Hostetler. Who's going to win this? Will it come down to one final kick by Scott Norwood? Will he make it? Will he make it? Spoilers, he did not make it. (laughs) So now we have the epilogue. Uh, Our girl Rita is treated to our boys topless, and Rita has a bit of a surprise for them. It's a dog! Aww! It was the dog that they saw at the uh, at the uh, animal shelter uh, when they went to visit her. Yep, they were playing with the dog, and and uh, obviously ended up falling in love with him, and they ended up getting him. Oh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. And they call it puppy love. Well, it's better than puppish love. Ooh, call back to the last episode. Well done. Thank you. And that was Tag Team. Had everything a wrestling fan in the early 90s could possibly ask for. And more. But unfortunately, it was not picked up. And it wasn't for lack of being good. And Greg, I think you have the story on that. Yes, according to Jesse Ventura, the show was originally guaranteed a 13-episode run. But Carico Pictures and Disney, who co-produced the show, were in a lawsuit unrelated to the show. So the show was put on the back burner while the lawsuit was ongoing and the project was abandoned. It was actually um, very, very close to going to series, but the production was called off the day before the fall schedule was announced for ABC in 1990. Sad, really. Yes. This show wouldn't have lasted more than 13 episodes, though. No, it wasn't. But what what 13 episodes they could have been. It it, it may not even gotten to 13. This this show was so corny. Uh, It checked off like every box of like a cop show TV trope. It also checked off every wrestling trope. Well, yeah. well not every trope, but the big ones. You could definitely yes. tell that the big ones were ticked yeah. off. Well, guys, before we sign off, we got to play a game of eBay Prices Right. 
Oh boy, here we go. All right. So what we have here on eBay is an actual VHS copy. This is a pre this is a recorded VHS copy of the pilot for Tag Team. It even has like one of those vintage early 90s VHS labels written in like some Sharpie Tag Team Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura. So do you want to guess what this VHS tape of a recording of the tag team pilot costs on eBay. I defer to Chico because I'm going to screw Chico over like Chico screwed you over on the last episode. Okay, go ahead, Chico. 82 cents. Mike? You know, know, I'm not going to give Chico a penny window, and I'm not going to give him a dollar window. I'll give him more than a dollar window. $2. Enjoy your buck 17 window, sucker. (laughs) All right, guys, I hope you're sitting down. This is the buy it now price for it. Are you ready? Oh, no. It's, oh, I'm having second thoughts already. It's probably, okay, just say it. What is it? What is it, Greg? $17.99. Are you kidding me? (laughs) People are going to pay $17 for the tape off broadcast. Of a pilot for a TV show that did not be get ordered to series, but they could watch it for free on YouTube. I mean, come on. Talk about a job. A fool and his money are soon parted. That was an inside wrestling reference that Chico made, folks. You're welcome. Yes. Thank you, Perry Saturn. Uh, So one more thing I want to add before we go, guys. And I mentioned this earlier in the episode. We were talking about the Lizard Brothers, their former wrestling name, which was mentioned in the first minute or two of the show. At the end of the episode, they show a montage of pictures of their career and their lives, ultimately ending up on a picture of the two in their police uniforms doing sort of the buddy cop back-to-back thing. Yeah. Well, as they panned into that photo you saw a picture of the two of them as the lizard brothers yes nice so tag team you had the majesty of pro wrestling combined with cop shows it was a perfect marriage but unfortunately we never got a series out of it but thankfully the people of ABC decided you know what Maybe we don't want to see on Saturday night, January 26, 1991, Ben Horn be insane on Twin Peaks and thinking he's in the Civil War. No, no, no. People need to watch Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura kick some ass on a Saturday night. And thank God the good folks at ABC decided to give us this. Yeah. Tag team. With Roddy Piper and Jesse Ventura. Thank the good Lord above. It was a thing on TV. And it was the 50th episode of this podcast. So fitting. Yes. Round of applause. Yes. I can't believe we did it, folks. Guys, we made it to 50 episodes. And you know what? We couldn't have done it without you listening out there. And you know what that also means? 50 episodes away from number 100, baby. What? Oh, my God. We'll be hitting uh, that syndication money soon enough. Oh, yeah. We're going to be making all that sweet Keeps Affiliate money. We're going to be selling boner pills left and right. Yeah, we're going to be looking at ads for Blue Chew because it's, it's done wonders for all of Conrad Thompson's podcasts, let me tell you. Oh, jeez. And you can do all that with a special code. It was a thing on TV. That's right. The whole thing. Put in code. It was a thing on TV. And you'll get 10% off and a special super purple pill, which will give you the biggest boner you've seen in your life since watching this episode of Tag Team. Hello, Nacho Supreme. Damn right. Hello, Nacho Supreme. Oh, what could I say except it was a thing on TV for all of our socials, past episodes, find out more about the show, more about us. Remember, 
like and subscribe, rate and review, and don't forget to share because sharing is caring. And also don't forget every Wednesday over on the Place to Be Nation pop feed, we have three of our past episodes going up one by one. And the latest drop, which was today, is episodes 42 through 44, which is the Dana Carvey Show, Hulk Hogan commercials, and Comedy Central's TV Funhouse. So near it. They're nearly caught up, guys, at the time yeah. of recording. Yeah, because 45, I believe, was Rip Taylor in time. So they're going to be caught up in the next, like, two or three weeks, I think. Yeah, we got to make a spe- – yeah, oh, my God. We got to explain to the audience at Place to Be Nation. But what, well, they probably already heard this, heard it by now as, as if, when we're up to 50. But, yeah, we got to make – we got to explain Rip Taylor in time to them since it's not April 1st anymore. So – uh, yeah. it's in the, well, it's in the description of the episode. I, I did yeah. update it to let people know that after April 1st, it was an April Fool's joke. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, again, uh, the website is it was a thing on TV.com. Now we have over 50 episodes there because this is episode 51 in actuality because we had a preview episode. So we've got plenty of listening and plenty of episodes you can go back and, and listen to. And then there's more to come, including next week. Oh, next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we can, well, what are we doing? What are we well, doing? next week, we have another pilot, just one pilot next week, because we're doing another two to three weeks worth of pilots. But also, we have a timely episode. We're not going to tell you why it's timely, but this episode, there's... It's so perfect in so many ways. Even the submission number is perfect. What's the submission number? I'm oh, not yeah. telling you because you that's going to give uh, it away. Mm-hmm. But oh my gosh, the submission number matches the title of the show, matches the timeliness of the episode perfectly. It's a thing of beauty. This is one of those happy coincidences which works out so nicely. But that's next week. So for now, speaking for Chico and speaking for Greg, I'm Mike. Thank you again for listening. Don't forget, like and subscribe, rate and review, do all that good stuff. And we'll see you next time on the start of the next 50 episodes of It Was a Thing on TV. Wow! Tag team.